welcome back to another episode of Colonel Talks Fashion. This is Rachel Courtney, and today I'm, I know I say this every time that I'm so excited, but I'm so excited for today's guest. Um, her name is Jade Garnett, and she is a senior here at UK. You guys will get to hear some of her stories later on in the episode, so I won't say too much right now, but she is probably one of the coolest people I've met. Just how she presents herself and handles herself is so impressive, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear more about her. So, without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hi guys! Um, as I was saying in my previous introduction, I'm so excited for Jade to finally be on the podcast. We just got back from New York City. We've been Instagram friends for a long time, but we officially met last week in New York City. Um, but I will let her introduce herself. Jade, tell us what year you are at UK, where you're from, just like the basic questions. Okay, well hello everybody. So my name is Jade. I'm from Owenton. It's a little town about an hour north of Lexington. Um, I'm really close to the Kentucky Speedway, if that matters to anybody. But um, but yeah, just from a little small town in Owenton, and I am a senior at UK, majoring in media arts and minoring in writing rhetoric and digital studies. Okay, so tell us more about your major, because isn't it a very rare major? It is. It's So it's media arts and studies. And a lot of people get really confused on like what it is. So it kind of there's like three different pathways you can go down. But I mean, generally, it's just the study of the media industry. And that could be anywhere from television industry, film, um, audio, video, anything visual, graphic design, anything of that nature. But so with me, my route, I, t- I went the producing television and film route. So like doing screenwriting and things of that nature. Um, and then there's like a journal broadcast journalism section. And then there's like the video audio production type thing. But um, so yeah, I've done a lot of really cool things with it thus far, but I've taken like creative writing classes, uh, media and culture classes, pop culture classes, theater, screenwriting, poetry, the whole thing, whole nine yards. But, um, but yeah, it's been pretty cool. I really like it a lot. So it's a really creative major. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you know coming into UK that you wanted to do that? Or did you just find out? Well, so it was weird. Before coming to college, it was like my junior year when I was like, okay, Jade, it's time to kind of, you know, get the gears going. Like, what do you want to do? Like, you know, where do you want to go to school, blah, blah, blah. And I was, you know, for the longest time, I was like, you know, nobody out of Kentucky makes it in the media industry. Like there's, you know, that's kind of far-fetched, but I was like, I knew that's what I wanted to do. But for the longest time, I was kind of going back and forth between political science and doing something with media. But I didn't really know, like, because typically you don't hear people being like media studies majors. You hear typical, like, you know, political science, biology, chemistry, engineering, those type things um, in business. But I was just like, you know what, I really need to do research and find what I want to actually do and not just conform to what other people, you know, wanted me to do or what I thought I should do. Um, so anyway, I was researching and I, was, I only wanted to get, I wanted to stay in Kentucky for school. Well, um, of course, big UK fan being from Kentucky. So I looked into UK and I was like, maybe they have like a journalism type thing. Well, then found out that they had the journalism, but then they also had this extension of like media arts, which is like I said, the television and film studies and things like of that nature. So anyway, I applied to UK and it was the only school I applied to because I got accepted luckily, but, um, but yeah, and they had the major. And so I've stayed with it this in, the entire three years I've been here now. So I've been very fortunate. And this is really fun about Jade, but she has actually 
wrote for and taken pictures for both Colonel and KRNL. So tell yes, us yes. about how you got started. Okay, so actually, fun fact, I wanted to write for the Colonel like the day I started freshman year because I had a friend that I went to high school with that wrote for it as well. And but I was like, oh, you can't write write for it as a freshman. I don't know why I thought that. But so I didn't write at all my freshman freshman year, but I started my sophomore year. So I started writing for, um, I do all four sections, like the opinion, lifestyle, news, and sports for um, the Colonel. And so I started writing for them and just loved it. And then one of my best friends from home, he, uh, Jordan Prather, he graduated this year, but he um, was like one of the main photographers for the Colonel and KRNL. Well, I had just gotten a camera and I was doing like photography on the side just for fun. And so anyway, he was like, Jake, you know, if you ever want to like take pictures for a basketball game, like, let me know. And I was like, okay, sign me up. Like, of course I'm going to take pictures for a basketball game. So anyway, I started doing that to some on the side. And I was like, so I was doing writing and photography for the Colonel. And I was like, this is really cool. Then I got introduced into writing for KRNL, like doing the lifestyle section and I do the blog as well. Um, so that was really fun because I really like KRNL a lot because it allows like a ton of creative freedom. And I just absolutely love that. But then I also started taking pictures for KRNL as well for the um, fashion shoots. And that's just been a wonderful, wonderful experience for me. So I just thought about this as you were talking, and I know a lot of people struggle with this, but someone that wants to get better at writing, what tips would you give someone to get better at writing stories? I mean, this sounds cliche, but just write more. Like I, I, this, I used to think the same thing. I was like, you know what? I really don't want to start writing because I don't know exactly how I want to write it or what theme or tone I want to go for. But I once read this thing from someone, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but they were like, write even when you don't feel like it, or like, even if you don't feel inspired, just write, even if it's a mundane list, if it's just something like what you did that day, like just write and somehow some creative juices will flow and something will click and a folder will open and you will just be able to go through a path of who knows what, you know, um, it of course depends on, it varies with everybody. So, but with me, I would just say, write more, like just write more. If it seems stupid, if you're not inspired, just do it. And some, somehow it will, you will become inspired through that. Um, but yeah, that, that would be my little advice for that. So what kind of jobs, like positions on campus, have you gone to do with your major? Or even so, with your sorority, have you done anything with ADPI that has helped you? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'll kind of try to go in chronological order as much as I can. But um, so on campus activities, I've done um, Alpha Delta Pi, of course. And through ADPI, I learned about this uh, program through the Student Government Association called the Leadership Development Program. And I did that my freshman year and loved it. And then that kind of opened up an avenue for me within um, student government to be, I was like a public relations coordinator, I believe my sophomore year, sophomore, junior year. And that was really cool because I was like a liaison between the colonel and the student government. And I was already on the colonel. So it just like worked out really well. Um, so I really liked doing that. But then um, I believe my sophomore year, I did a marketing, student marketing writing internship with um, the Gatton College of Business. And that was really cool. I, you know, worked with the marketing team and it was, I liked it a lot, but like I said, I really liked the creative aspects and that kind of wasn't it for me. So then after that, I um, fortunately got this position at the, this um, comedy record label in Frankfurt called On Tour Records. And so what I did for them, I just like helped them record, like, so if they had like stand up comedians come in and record albums and podcasts for this record label. So that was super cool. And I love comedy. So it like, really opened up a whole new like pathway for me within that but I did a lot of audio and video production for them and that was cool um and then after that I through UK well through one of my professors screenwriting professors he was like hey Jade there's this 
independent film coming to Danville, which is like an hour from Lexington. He's like, if you would like to come be a production assistant, like just help out with the odds and ends. He's like, we'd love to have you. And so um, I got to help out with that. I forget what the film it's called. It's called. It's not been released yet, but um, it was like an Italian director and it was super interesting. But Karen uh, Grassi from, uh, what is the show called? Little House on the Prairie. Um, oh, she God. was one of the people um, on, the, on the movie. And then Tatum, Tatum O'Neill. Yeah, she, she's one of the, she's one of the actresses as well. And she's pretty big. But um, so that was really cool. I got to do a lot of like set design and, you know, helping out just like, you know, little bits of things. So that was really cool. Sorry, what'd you say? How was that being on a movie set? Oh, it was so cool. I did it for two days and I worked my butt off, but it was so, so cool. I met so many people. And what's really interesting with movie sets or with this movie set in particular, people come from all over. So like I said, the directors, they're all from like Italy, certain part of Italy. I don't know which part, but they were from Italy. And then the camera crew would be like from Atlanta. Some people would be from Louisiana or like New Orleans. It was just like crazy. And then my, so my professor, he's written a few films, but he helped out with it. um, Like being like a, not a co-director, but more of like a producer sort of. And then that's why I got the position because he's like, we need a little bit of, you know, some help, you know, nothing intense or anything, but that was really cool. And then after that, I um, actually through UK as well, I got to be a production assistant on America's Got Talent. They came to Louisville like last November. So that was really cool. I got to do that. That was like for two days. Um, me and a few other media art students got to do that. And that was awesome. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, it was so cool. Well, it was interesting because I want to say, oh my God, who sent it through the email? I can't remember. One of the um, school of journalism and media um, advisors sent out something through the email. She's like, hey, apply for this. Like right now they're wanting resumes, like send it in. So I sent it in ASAP. And then I got an email back. They're like, okay, you know, we'll help. We'll help. You know, we want you to be on the team or whatever for two days. And I was like, okay, great. So um, I got to work with, work with the executive producers of America's Got Talent. So I don't know if people know this, but it's, like, it's not just, you know, I think you see on TV, you're like, oh, it's just some random person just gets up on the stage. There's a whole other process before that. Um, so that was really interesting getting to see the, like, actually what happens, like the actual bones and structure of the show. Um, so that was cool. And then after that, I got an internship at LEX 18 here in Lexington, working for um, the, the news and whatnot. So that was really cool. And then after that, that's when I landed the NBC internship, which was life-changing. Okay, so. let's get into that internship. Um, but before that, I just am blown away by all the <laughs> experiences you have had. How do you balance that and being in a student and being a student and doing Greek life? Like, I'm just blown away. Oh, well, thanks. Um, well, here's the thing. Um, I don't sleep. <laughs> no, I try to sleep, but I just, I know it's weird because I, I knew whenever I started school, I was like, okay, personally, I'm with my major, you know, you could either, you know, be like a local, work for a local news station, or you could go big, you know, and I was like, I want to go big or go home personally. So I was like, I've really got to work my butt off if I want to make it in New York or Los Angeles. So um, I just kind of knew in my head, I, I, I try to prioritize well, of course, I fall short sometimes, but I just kind of balance I, I for the beginning of freshman year I had a lot on my plate and I was like Jade you've got to like ration out what's important what's going to actually help you versus what's not so um you know I just like I, I've taken the normal course load I haven't ever worn myself there but um but yeah I've just like I said I've tried to prioritize well I don't know I'm and I, I like to be busy so that's helpful um and I and I just know I'm like okay Jade you may be exhausted right now and this may be a lot right now but it will a thousand percent pay off and it heck it did even in college with the internship I was like oh this will pay off after and it paid off in college so I was like this is this has been good for me so wow okay yeah 
what is your one piece of advice that you would give students looking for internships? Did you like actively search for them or how did you get all your experience? Yeah, so with me, I, okay, if I'm like, okay, I'm interested in NBC or I like, I like Saturday Night Live, I like NBC News, I like whatever that may, like, I don't know, any sort of company, like if, even if it's someone who's like, oh, I'm really interested in, I don't know, um, finance and JP Morgan, it's like, look up those companies and just like type in, you know, NBC internships, in MTV internships, JP Morgan internships, and it will come up. And then after that, you know, I would say, look at the application process and then go to LinkedIn. I know LinkedIn, everybody's kind of like weird with that, but LinkedIn was like kind of huge for me. Like you look at certain people who either internship there, interned there in the past or work for their work for that company currently. And, you know, it's not like they're going to help you like literally land a position. I mean, that might be the case for some people, but it's getting your name in the business or in the circulation of the company. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I give people or the advice I would give is just like really research, like really know what you're doing, like try to know what you're doing, what you're applying for and, alter your resume or whatever, I don't know, whatever application you may have, like alter it to that position instead of like, you know, like for me, for example, like the NBC thing, like I worked, um, like I was like a little technology assistant my, in like high school. They don't really care about that. Like they don't really care about that kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, just like alter those certain things in my opinion. That's what I would, that's advice I'd give. Okay. So now let's talk about your huge internship. internship. <laughs> So walk us through the process of how you got it, how you were feeling, and okay. we can talk about what exactly you did there. Totally, cool. Um, so it was last fall. I applied, I want to say in August. Um, yeah, I applied in August, and I was like, you know what, I feel, so it had been, so actually about two and a half years before that, I knew I wanted to apply to NBC, like for some internship in NBC, whether it be through entertainment like with the late night comedy shows or through the news. Cause I've always loved the news and entertainment, anything in TV film, I've always been, a, you know, had a huge passion for. So anyway, I was like, okay, I want to apply when I have like a solid resume, when I feel like, you know, they could at least consider me instead of being like, oh, I've got two internships and whatever. So anyway, after I got the um, LEX 18 internship, I was like, okay, this, you know, um, LEX 18 is an NBC affiliate. So I was like, oh, this might look good, you know? And so anyway, I was like, okay, I'll apply. So I applied, I did a ton of research on NBC News. Um, I mean, really NBC in general, like, I mean, hours and hours, I have papers, I have a video on my phone of just all the, the research and notes that I took before the, before I even submitted an application. So I submitted the application in August and I got an email about two weeks later and I was sitting in the middle of one of my um, screenwriting classes actually. And it said, you have been selected to do a video interview for NBC News slash MSNBC. And I about vomited. I was like, oh my God. So I got up and left class for the rest of the day because I was so nervous. I was like, okay, got to study more. I've got to look at things like other people who did the um, interview of like what kind of questions they asked. I was just like, I've really got to hone this um, in order for me to even have a slightest bit of chance. And I just wanted to really do well with it. So anyway, um, I did my research and whatnot. And then I did started the interview. Well, it was a video. It was a recorded video. It wasn't like how we we're talking back and forth. It was just a, it, the video, um, it would record me and then a question would pop up and I'd have two minutes to answer that question. And it would record me. Like, I couldn't be like, you know, you can't mess up on your words, which was odd. Cause of course, like the time is flying by and two minutes goes by way faster than what you think. Um, but the, I kind of forget what kind of questions they asked me off the top of my head. But one question I do remember that they asked was they said, what are like three uh, most important uh, news stories going on right now? 
And I was like, you know, if you didn't follow the news and you were applying for a news position, you'd be screwed. Like you would not, you know, so I mean, of course me, I just like rattled them off my head luckily. But um, so anyway, I did that. And that was absolutely nerve wracking. I was like, oh my God, like I tripped up on my words. I'm sure I look like an idiot, like staring at a screen. You just feel kind of awkward doing that. Um, but anyway, after that, it was about four days. Um, and I got a email from a line producer who worked for the show Hardball with Chris Matthews, which is an NBC news show that's on at seven o'clock every night. Well, it used to be, but I'll get into that in a minute. But um, anyway, he's like, hey, we just watched your video. Would love to um, talk to you sometime. Please send me your phone number. He said, I don't see it included on your resume. And I was like, shoot. Oh, my God. I didn't include my phone number on my resume. Like, I'm an idiot. So, but anyway, I sent it to him and he called me that next day and we had like a real phone interview and it was fantastic. He was really like a normal person. I was very intimidated. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be terrible, but it went really well. And it kind of caught me off guard when he called me because I didn't know when he was going to call me. So I was also kind of like looking into Hardball with Chris Matthews because I was not as familiar with that NBC news show versus like the Today Show or something like that. So anyway, I was doing some research there and you know, he asked me a bunch of questions about myself, my past, my experiences. And then about four days later, I got another email. I was in class and um, it said I had gotten a position. And if I wanted, or if I wanted to accept or decline the position. And I had a full day of like, I had like four classes that day. And it was the first class I was in. I got up and I left. And I of course wrote yes to the email that I'd accept. I went back to my parents' house and told them, I was like, so a um, little context here. We were going to, this was in November, by the way. And um, we were going as a family in December to New York for just like three days, you know, to see the lights and everything. And so I go home and I tell my parents, I'm like, yeah, aren't you guys excited to, you know, go to New York this, this or not this December. I was like the next month or whatever. And they're like, Oh my God. Yeah. We're really excited. And I was like, yeah, I can't wait to move there in January. And it took them a second. They're like, Oh my God, you got it. You got the position. And so they're all freaking out. We went out and celebrated and everything. But I mean, it was just like the craziest like month ever. And I was like, I can't believe I'm literally moving to New York for this semester. I was just, it was surreal, really. I could not focus on school after knowing. <laughs> oh, I couldn't either. It was very difficult. Very difficult, but I, I made it through. <laughs> so how was the planning process moving to New York? So honestly, it really was there wasn't that. Oh, sorry. What were you saying? You have to take off a semester of classes, right? Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't like, how, what's the word? Um, not take off. I, I was still a student. But I was doing, I was getting an inter, a, um, experience internship credit. So it wasn't like I had to like leave school or anything. It was like I was still a student, but I was just getting a credit for an internship. Um, so it, it was very, it was pretty easy little process to do that. But um, the process of moving, really, I just like packed up what I knew I was going to need. Because was, I was supposed to be there from January to May. So I was like, okay, I'll go home once. And, you know, I was like, I'll go home maybe once late March, early April and get like some, you know, uh, summery clothes or whatever because I was like if I'm going to be there that time but so primarily I packed a lot of like you know warmer stuff but I pretty much just packed my clothes and that was it I mean because I knew I wasn't staying there obviously I wasn't literally like moving in for a long period of time but I was like you know I'll just bring my clothes and then if I want to get anything cute for my room to make it homemade I'll get it up there which I did but um but yeah the moving process was pretty easy my dad helped me um bring all my stuff up there on January 6th is when I moved in and I started my internship, started the internship on the 13th of January. So. Was it difficult finding an apartment? It, well, I thought it was going to be, but luckily I had a girlfriend of mine that I went to high school with. She had moved to New York. So she's three years older than me, but she had moved to New York, like right after she graduated school or um, college. And she, I asked her, I said, how'd you find your roommate? Like, what was your process? I was like, what's the cheapest 
safest, like best route for me to go when it comes to this. Cause I was like, I just want to sublet from somebody. And so she recommended this app called Rumi and I had never heard of it or anything. And so I looked it up and, you know, did my little thing, put my profile up, what I was looking for and found this girl. She was from North Carolina and she lived in right Manhattan. And, um, we got, we kind of clicked. We had a phone, we called each other on the phone and talked and we were like, yeah, this is great. Like it worked out great. And it was not super expensive. I mean, of course it was still expensive, but not what it could have been. Um, so I got very fortunate there and she's a great roommate. We still talk to this day. So it was, it was a really fun experience with her. And you lived on the Upper East Side, right? Yes. Upper East Side on 68th and 1st Avenue. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yep. That is a great location. Oh, it was. It was perfect. That was only like a 15 minute subway ride from work, which was great. And I mean, I could be in Central, I could walk to Central Park in 10 minutes. I mean, it was just beautiful. It was a great location. It was really safe too. So talk about, I know everyone's dying to hear, but talk about <laughs> your day to day and like what you would do at work. Okay. So I worked kind of seemingly odd hours. Um, like I worked, so I started at noon and then got done at eight. So our show was at 7 PM. So I'll just walk you through the whole day. So I would get up around like 9 30, 10, you know, shower, get ready and everything. And then there was this amazing coffee place right down like two blocks from me. It was called coffee Inn. Almost every morning, I would get a small white chocolate mocha um, from there. And we became, I became friends with the people there at the coffee shop. I had a little, you know, stamp, like they had this little card and they would stamp every, you know, visit I had, I would get a free coffee and whatever. Um, but it was, that was a really good place. I would go a lot. And then I would, or I'd either do the coffee or I'd go to this other place right across the street. Um, it was called like Cafe Lux, something like that. And funny enough, the owners, so they're both from Jer New Jersey. And I think one day I was wearing like a UK hat or something, or they asked me, they're like, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm from Kentucky. I told them my whole story while I was here or while I was there in New York. And the guy was like, I played baseball at U University of Louisville. And I was like, what? I was like, that's crazy. So it was like a weird small world connection. He's like, yeah, I'm wanting to make it back down to UofL some or to Louisville sometime. And, and so we got to talking about UK and UofL, the whole debacle there. But um, anyway, so I became really close with them. They became close with my parents when they came down. But anyway, um, getting off track. But so anyway, I would do that. And then I would take the subway train. Um, I, I would take like the Q and then we'd get off, ironically, on Lexington Avenue to switch to the F train, which took me straight to Rockefeller Center. And I was on 47th and 50th Street. Um, and then anyway, I would walk in and I'd, you know, scan my badge and would go up to the fourth floor of Rockefeller Center and would, you know, go to my desk. And I really didn't have a whole lot of like pressing work to do until about two o'clock um, because that's when like, so with my show that I was on Harbaugh with Chris Matthews, half of the team was in Washington, DC. And then the other half was in New York. So Chris himself, the host was in DC and the executive producer was in DC, but then all of us were in New York producing the show, which was very interesting. I didn't really realize that was a thing, but, uh, but Chris would divide his time in New York. Like he was in New York for like five weeks while I was there, like five weeks in a row pretty much. And so anyway, it was really neat to like have that um, as a aspect of the show. But anyway, um, so I would start getting in, I did a lot of graphic design while I was there and I wrote for, um, I wrote like cold opens and short opens for the show. So say, I can't, of course, I wouldn't be able to think anything on the spot, but if there was like some sort of um, crazy news story with Trump, um, it'd be like something kind of funny, witty. And like, then he, uh, Chris would go, now let's play hardball. So he'd be like, Trump's at it again. Now let's play hardball. And then like that, would, I would write that. And that was insane. I was like, oh my God, Chris, Chris Matthews is saying my line. Like I wrote that. Um, but I did a lot of that. And then, um, you know, research for the show, different news uh, outlets, you know, worked with the New York Times, the New Yorker, 
Bloomberg News, um, Daily News, like a bunch of, you know, those credible sources did that all the time. Um, but so I also would do, or I'd work with the guests that would come on our show. So around five o'clock, I'd get a phone call from the security guards and they're like, I would get an NBC call and, I, and I'd be like, hello. And they're like, um, I don't know, here's a good example. Uh, Mayor de Blasio of New York City is down here for you to come pick him up. And I was like, oh my God, okay, be there. You know, I'll be there in a minute. And so anyway, that was like really cool. So I would go work with all the guests and I got to meet, you know, so many people who worked for the FBI, news reporters from the New York Times, you know, uh, tons of politicians, important politicians. Um, so that was just fascinating. And that was just like, that was my daily routine pretty much. But uh, well, something, a little side note. So around five o'clock, well, 4.30, five o'clock, that's when The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon would tape. So his floor is on the, he's on the sixth floor. So it's two floors up from me and me and one of my girlfriends who I worked with, um, who's now one of my best friends, her and I would go on that floor like almost every day. Like when we had little breaks, because of course you have little breaks and stuff we'd go walk on the floor and see who was on the Tonight Show that night if we run into anybody. And we, that's when I met Jack Harlow. I ran into Jack Harlow, um, Doja Cat, Edwin McGregor from, he's like in Star Wars and some other movies. Um, you know, Carrie Underwood was there one night. I mean, just like tons of people and you see their whole um, dressing room and them getting ready and, and you just, you know, you play it cool. You walk in the hallway and you're like, okay, I can't stare at them, but I can of course look, but you, everybody's got the same badge. So nobody's gonna look at you weird. You, you work in the building and everybody kind of gets the whole, they get the idea. But um, anyway, so that was really fun too. But that was, that's typically the work day. And we'd start the show. Um, our show started at seven and we'd have to go down in the control room around 6.30. And so that's where they have the switchboards and they have like 30,000 little mini, not mini, but like smaller TV screens, you know, set up. And we're, we've got, you know, Fox News on one channel. We've got, you know, our news um, on the other and then CNN. And just like, so we're all like kind of comparing and just making sure that, don't overlap like the same story type story type thing but um but yeah I mean it was just crazy and then like we our show would end right at eight o'clock and then we'd leave and then I'd go get something for dinner I would go to Chipotle blocks it was like right next to my apartment it was just easy but I mean I would go to other places too um, but that was like if I didn't want to like adventure out in New York at you know 8 30 or 9 o'clock at night I was like I'll just go to Chipotle and then eat it in my bed so but yeah that was pretty much my typical the typical work day okay that is crazy um before you started your internship were you nervous any because I would be so scared that like I wouldn't know what to do and I would just have so many questions so what was the training process like leading up to your internship yeah yeah so I was very nervous and intimidated before I started so because I was like oh my god this is freaking NBC like this is like you know, I was like, holy crap, like, I can't believe I'm here. Like, how am I here? You know, I was not doubtful of myself, but I was like, holy crap, how did this girl from Kentucky in a, you know, state school, no, no offense to state schools, but like a lot of people I worked with, they went to Harvard, Columbia, Stanford, like um, NYU, like all these really, you know, pretty popular schools um, and, you know, more prestigious, whatever you want to say. But um, so I, the first day I started, we had, um, you know, I got my ID badge and everything and we had like orientation. And the orient, you know, of course, orient, you hear orientation, you kind of roll your eyes, you're like, it's gonna be a waste of time, whatever. Well, actually, the orientation process for me at NBC was one of the coolest things and most helpful things for me within the whole internship, and really in life in general. So the people we would talk to or the uh, moderators for orientation, they're like, okay, we want you all to know, you, you know, you're here for a short period of time, but act like an owner, not a renter. And that really hit like set well with me. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Cause you know, you want to like 
go into and be like, oh my God, I'm going to be here forever. But you know, you kind of like, okay, I want to know my place and know that I'm just an intern and I'm only here for five months. But when they said that, I was like, I'm going to do that. I was like, that's brilliant. That's such good advice. So I acted like I was a part of the team, like a part of NBC News. And my, my um, coworkers treated me like that. And that, that's, what was fa- that's what was fascinating to me is how they just like completely accepted me. And they weren't like, go get coffee, go get coffee. I never went and got coffee ever. Well, I, I take that back. I got coffee for Chris, the actual host twice, but that was it whenever he was in town. But for the actual people like that I worked with on a daily basis, it was never anything like that ever. Um, but anyway, with the training process, I did a lot within the first two weeks of like them being like, okay, I want you to watch me do this, watch me do this. And then you do it. Um, but then I mean, I kind of picked up on it really fast and I tried to just like, you know, whenever I was like, I do not want to mess anything up. So my eyes would just be glued to their screen or whatever they were doing. Um, but really the training process never really stopped, which was great for me. It wasn't like, here's the five things you're going to do. And that's it. It was like constantly. And whenever I had to leave in March because of COVID, I was getting ready to learn how to work with switchboards, which for those who don't know, a switchboard is like, you know, if they're changing scenes or cutting to commercial, it's like the buttons and it's a whole complex process, but I was getting ready to learn how to work that. And of course I wasn't able to, but um, you know, I, I learned what I was supposed to do on like the daily basis, but they were still training me all the time. Like, this is how you do this little aspect. They're wanting me to really get a full, like the full experience of, you know, not just like working as a producer. They're like, okay, we want you to see what the director does, what the graphic designer does, what, you know, the audio guy does like that kind of thing. So that was really cool to like really get every aspect of television production through the internship. That is nice. It's such a great like learning experience, not limiting yourself to one thing and getting to do like a lot of other things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What was your favorite day of your internship and your least favorite day of your internship? Oh gosh, there's so many favorite days. Um, I actually made a few notes because I knew I had this, I had a feeling this question would come up. So one of the coolest days ever was Okay, I'll provide some context. So when I worked at LEX 18, through the hallways of LEX 18, they had um, posters of other NBC shows on the wall. And LEX 18, you know, small news station, great news station, but it's just small, of course. So I'm walking through these little hallways and on the, on the wall, there's like the Today Show with Hoda and Jenna. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And then right next to it, it's Late Night with Seth Meyers. Right next to it's the Tonight, like a, the Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon poster, and then Nightly News with Lester Holt, and just all these shows, you know, you've kind of grown up watching, or, you know, that you know of now, they're the, that are the show, like the it shows. Well, anyway, I remember just like walking through the hallway and being like, oh, what I would give, like what I would give to be there in New York, literally where it all happens. Um, so then anyway, to come two months later, I'm, in, I'm actually in 30 Rockefeller Center, or Plaza, where the sh- everything's made, and I'm walking through Jimmy Fallon's hallway, and he walks past me and he says, hey, dude, to me, because I didn't want to be like, oh, my God, hi, Jimmy. Like, of course, you know, you got to play it cool. He I'm walking through the hallway and he says, hey, dude, and throws his arm up and waves at me. And I was like, hi, you know, just being normal. But when he said that and I like walked away and I was like, oh, my God, that is the most full circle thing I've ever had in my life. I'm like, you know, two months ago, I was walking through the hallway of little Lexington, Kentucky uh, news station, looking up at the wall of a poster of Jimmy Fallon. Two months later, I'm in the hallway with Jimmy Fallon and him say hi to me. Like, what? Like, that, I mean, like, I'm still, like, shook up even when I say it out loud. I'm like, how the heck? You know, that's just crazy to me. But um, I know that has nothing really to do with, like, my actual work. But, like, that was insane for me, like, to have that experience. It's like, that's so full circle. And I was like, I'm just glad I've worked hard. <laughs> and, like, that just, it just was crazy. But um, I'd say one of the coolest, like, work days, like, the full work day was, um, 
during, so like during the impeachment trials, that was insane. Cause I worked, so I had a bunch of crap happen like in the news whenever I was there, I was really there at the perfect time. When I, the first day I was there, um, the uh, Iran missiles, I don't know if you remember that, but that was early in January that happened. And then the impeachment trial with Trump happened. Then the coronavirus stuff started happening. Then um, some of the debates were happening. It was just crazy. Like it was the perfect time to be there. But um, I would say during the impeachment trials, because that's when Chris Matthews, the host of our show, and the whole other team in D.C., they came and, you know, stayed in New York. And we all went out a bunch of nights and, you know, would get dinner and stuff. And I got to meet Chris and got to meet a bunch of other people within NBC News. Saw, I saw Lester Holt a ton, which he was in our floor. But um, he worked with Lester Holt, with Brian Williams, Ari Medler, just a bunch of, obviously, people in the news and a bunch of incredibly influential um television host in the past like Dan Rather he worked he worked for CBS for years um a lot of pol important politicians and it was just really really cool getting um to see all of that you know unfold during this imp the impeachment because we were all like oh my god this is insane but um that was really cool um and then the worst day of the internship oh my god I really don't know if that exists to be honest with you um actually it does so I was going to mention this earlier but so in late February, we get, so Chris Matthews, the guy I worked for, he had a few um, sexual harassment misconduct claims floating around in the news. And we were all like, oh my God, like what's happening? And we didn't, none of us knew what was happening. We're like, holy crap, like it was getting blown up. And of course we knew Chris and we're like, you know, what, what the hell's going on? And Chris was like, you know, I, I don't know. I really don't know what's happening. Like we don't, it was just a crazy time. Well, late February, we get, we're in a um, conference room. I'm in a conference room with all the people I work with, um, the HR managers for NBC News um, and MSNBC. And we're on a conference call with Chris Matthews and the president of MSNBC and NBC News. And Chris announced his departure, well, his retirement from NBC that night. And we had a show planned from, uh, th that was around five o'clock and our show was seven. So we had, we've already done the whole show, pretty much the whole rundown of the show is pretty much done. So all of us, I mean, people who worked for Chris for like 10 plus years were bawling their eyes out. I mean, I was like, oh my God, like I felt horrible for the team and for them and for myself. I was just like, holy crap, like what's going to happen? Like, this is insane. Um, but it really showed me, um, so after that, Chris left um, in the A block of the show, which just to give a quick background of that, there's, so there's like A through F block with our show. And it's like, so A block is like, let's say four minutes and then cut to commercial and then that starts B block and then you cut to commercial, it goes to C block and so on and so forth. So anyway, Chris announced his departure in the A block and that was just like terrifying. Nobody across, nobody knew that was coming, but us, like my boss was like, you cannot tell a soul, like give it two hours. It'll be everywhere, but do not tell your parents, do not tell anybody. Cause I mean, we, I mean, if somebody wanted to, you could sell that news of that information like that, which of course nobody would, you know, cause you worked for the person, but, um, so anyway, that was insane. And it really showed though, how much, like, I love the news, don't get me wrong, but how much fake news there is and how much people don't fully understand anything. Because I remember resorting, like I've got the notification on my phone from the New York Times and then Washington Post, everyone's like, MSNBC's Chris Matthews just um, retired. Like, what the heck? Like, what's going on? Like, why did he do that? But of course, everybody knew what was going on in the news for a lot of circulation of um, possible sexual misconduct and claims and stuff of that nature. And I would, res I would look at Twitter just to be like, what, like, what are people saying? And people were saying incredibly untrue, horrible things about Chris. He was a fantastic, he's a fantastic person. And I got to really know him fairly well. And it's just like all this stuff, like people saying NBC fired him. They did not fire him. I was in 
I was in the room when they said, you know, like he was late, he was retiring. And it's just like crazy how all of that, you know, just kind of unraveled. And I'm like, this, it just really made me like look at news from a different perspective. When you read things, it's like so-and-so did this, or this happened to this person. It's like, but you really don't know. You really don't know. Even from like the New York times, they're a credible source, but they were even, they had a headline that said why he was fired and he wasn't fired. So it's just like really interesting, but that was not a very good day. I mean, I learned a lot that day, but that was of course very, very sad for everybody involved, especially for Chris, because he had been on air for 22 years, been doing it for years. He loved it so much. And if you ever watch the video, I recommend people watching his resignment video, but um, it's like three minutes long of him talking about over the years and how much he loved, how much he loves politics and how he's not ever going to stop loving politics, but just realize like, you know, he was getting older and he's like, you know what, maybe it is good for me to get out now. And you know, because he never meant anything bad by anything he ever said, but that was, you know, it was just a interesting day for sure, so. I know I can't imagine, like, that moment, and it just shows what kind of guy he is, how transparent he was with you guys to be able to. Oh, absolutely. And be like, okay, this is what's going on, and, like, this is how, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, and it was so sad, though, hearing him because he was crying on the phone call. Cause he's like, of course, I don't want to do this. But, you know, he's an older man and it just was what it was. But um, he, it was just sad because it's been his whole life, like his whole life pretty much was dedicated to politics, to his show. And he's written tons of books and he's just he's a great, great guy and brilliant. And I don't know, it's just crazy to see that all unfold because of our modern media and the exposure that everybody has to it now and just potential lies like all these things you know it's just it's sad and I was like man like I, I was not glad that it happened like I hate that that happened to him but it's like the way that it happened it really does open my eyes and I try to tell my other friends that too if they're like oh I read this story it's like you may read that story but that does not necessarily mean anything like at all people take the little slightest bit of information and will twist it and run with it if it means they're making money getting exposure or anything of that nature in my opinion so yeah, it just shows that people are always looking for a story. Always, always, no matter what, no matter what. How was it just dealing with that? And then, because that was right before COVID hit, right? Yes, literally like two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. So did you guys continue just your daily jobs in the office? Yeah, so that's a great question because we, you know, I remember being like, all my friends were like, what are we like what is next like are we fired like the show's no longer hardball with Chris Matthews like what's gonna happen well um we had a of course we had another meeting and they're like okay we're going to continue our normal type format but it's going to be called MSNBC live at seven instead of hardball with Chris Matthews so we had a bunch of other NBC anchors throughout the building they would just come and take Chris's place so we I worked with um, this guy named Steve Steve Kornacki a lot he was fantastic he was the guy who actually picked up Chris's spot right when he um, left that night. Um, and, you know, he bawled his eyes out and had a great speech as well um, about Chris and the influence Chris had on him. But um, so anyway, for that, in the next two weeks, I worked with Steve Kornacki and Joy Reid. They'd go back and forth a lot. And Joy Reid had a show in the morning called AM Joy. And Steve Kornacki, he does a lot with the election and stuff. And he's kind of like, like another anchor that's like inserted in places, not primarily a main anchor. But he's phenomenal. And Joy was phenomenal. Well, anyway... Um, so we would just do that and we would write in their voice and we would work with them. I would actually work as Joy's. So um, Joy Reed has an assistant. He was phenomenal. I would work as his little assistant sometimes like running errands for her or printing the scripts and giving her the scripts between blocks and commercials. 
um, you know, and that kind of thing. So it was really cool to get that full circle. And then something interesting, um, Joy Reid actually ended up taking over the 7 p.m. slot back about two months ago. So now she's got the slot and it's called the readout and she's wonderful. And I mean, it's, it was, I think the first episode was one of the most top rated um, uh, watchers or that's poorly worded, but like one of the top rated shows in years, like so many viewers reviewing it at once. And I actually, I had her phone number and I was like, you know what, I'm going to text her. I was like, now she's, you know, she was a big shot to begin with, but I'm like, now she's a big, big shot. Like, you know, now cast members like Keenan Thompson wrote something um, on Instagram about her. And I mean, she's really circulated through the news. Like her first guest on the show, if I'm thinking correctly, was Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden. And of course, at this time, I wasn't there to, you know, help out with the show, but I texted her and I was like, hey, you know, don't know if you remember me, but blah, 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 blah. I'm just really happy for you. Congratulations. Like I hope to see you all soon. And she's like, hey, Jade, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like texting me back almost immediately. I'm like, you have a huge show now and you're responding to the little intern who helped you out some and like, you know what I mean? It's just like weird, but like, they're just people too. And that was really interesting. But, um, but yeah, so anyway, um, during that process, we just kind of did the show as normal sort of, but we had like a different layout. Like it didn't say hardball, you know, in the banner at the bottom of the show, it just kind of said NBC, you know, MSNBC, NBC news, whatever. And just kind of, we rolled with the punches and did what we could. And it was just, it was cool. It was cool to be a part of that process too. Cause that was a huge deal, you know, for people, which I know a lot of the youth don't really pay attention to the news really. And especially Chris Matthews, cause he's been on forever, but um, it was just cool to see that transition. And I had a lot of like some of my friends' parents would text me and they're like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. Like how all that happened. And what are you going to do next? Like, you know, we didn't know, I didn't know if I was going to be transferred or what, but anyway, I mean, it just kind of continued as such and then COVID hit. So I'm so curious, how was it being in New York city at the time where panic started? Yeah. Was that like hearing all the news and like talking to your parents back home? How was the process of getting out of the city? Yeah, so I remember we got the first COVID um, story. It was late January. They're like, okay, there's this new virus in China, blah, blah, blah. And so on my, so my floor, we worked with a show called All In with Chris Hayes. They were on one side of the room. We were in the middle, the Hardball with Chris Matthews team. And then on the far right was the Rachel Maddow show. So I've, we all, you know, meshed well and everybody got, got to talking to each other and stuff. And I overheard one conversation from um, one of the guys from the Rachel Maddow team. He's like, this virus is going to be crazy. Like, should we be worried? And it was like, when it was just in China, like nothing had came to the United, uh, United States yet. And so they were making jokes, not jokes, jokes, but like kind of cracking jokes. Like, oh God, who knows what will happen with this? And I was like, kind of worried, but I was like, oh, it, it's fine. It's in China. Like, it'll be whatever. But, um, and then, you know, stuff started happening. They're like, oh my God, the first case has been in New Jersey or wherever it was or Pennsylvania. And um, I was like, oh no. And I started to really worry, you know, and it was like at this point, maybe five cases in the United States. And I was still like, oh, you never know who's had it, who's traveled where. And, you know, New York, like, it was the epicenter of it. Like, you know, everybody travels from everywhere to New York for business or for travel, whatever it may be, or for vacation. But I was like, holy crap. I was just kind of, I was really psyching myself out at that point for really no reason. And then, so, you know, March rolls around and stuff's getting crazy. People are leaving the city. People are already working remotely. Like, my roommate started working remotely before it was, before it was cool. You know what I mean? Like, it was like way up before, like their team kind of started to freak out about it. Um, but then anyway, my, one of my girlfriends who I worked with, she was really like a hypochondriac, probably late February. She's like, oh my God, we're going to all going to get it. Like, this is going to be crazy. And I was kind of like, I'm not worried. Like, I'm not that worried. Like, chill out, like telling her. And then 
our boss was like, she told us, she said, I'll let you know, you all know when to worry. Like, don't worry right now. I'll let you know when to worry. But it started to become the main thing in the news. It's all out. And I was like, oh my God, like, I'm, I'm really worried now. And it was like March, March 12th. I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go home for about two weeks. I talked to my boss. I said, hey, is it okay if I go home for about two weeks? Um, you know, I'm starting to feel a little weird about being up here. Like, can I go back for just two weeks until the virus chills out? And she was like, totally, no worries. Like, no worries at all. Because, um, so Lester Holt, night, Nightly News with Lester Holt, their whole internship team, they sent them home. So all their interns, they sent home. And they had a few more. The, I was the only intern in my department. They had about four with Lester Holt because his show is a lot bigger. But anyway, they sent all them home. And I was like, maybe I should go home. Just, you know, whatever. So I got a, um, two, a um, two-week ticket home. And no, that's not true. I got a one-way ticket home. And I was just like, oh, I'll get it in two weeks or whatever. I'm not really worried about it. So I called my parents. I was actually walking around um, right by the SNL studio, which is something I did a lot because I could go in there whenever I wanted to pretty much and just like walk around because I love SNL, huge nerd about all that. But anyway, I was ca I called my parents. I was like, hey, just so you guys know, I'm going to come home because they were starting to freak out about me being here too. And I was also getting news updates from LEX18 on my phone and they're like 11 people in Kentucky have it. And I'm like, oh my God, even Kentucky's getting it. Like, this is crazy. But I was like, I'll feel safer in Lexington than I will in New York. So anyway, I left New York. March 16th and you know with a carry-on and granted all, all my stuff pretty much was in New York so I was like I'll just bring you know pajamas not pajamas but like sweatpants leggings like sweatshirts nothing you know that big whatever and I was like I'll just bring my carry-on that's it left all my makeup everything and then I, I didn't go back until late April to move out so that I mean that was insane but it was it was nuts because the people who I talked to that lived in New York for years that I worked with they were like, this feels a lot like 9-11, how people are freaking out about it. Like you would walk on the streets and people would, I mean, they're not literally comparing it to 9-11, but they would be like, yeah, the way people are just talking about it. And like every conversation is just like weird. But um, yeah, it was, it was very odd. Like I would walk in the street and hear someone be like, do you think they have it? Or um, has he been tested for it? Or do they feel, like you would just hear little snippets of conversations on the street. And you're like, holy cow, this is getting around. Like this is actually getting around. And I mean, I remember being on the subway, holding the subway rail, being like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? Like I could, you know, whatever. And this was way before anybody even knew anything about it. Not like there's really been that much more development since then, but you know, it was just, it was very, very overwhelming. And I was ready to get back in Kentucky and just take, you know, chill and do whatever. But then I moved out in late April. I went by myself to New York and moved out. I had four, like three huge checked bags. Um, two carry-ons, my backpack and a duffel bag. And I carried it all down the stairs by myself and did everything by myself. And I was furious at the time. I was dripping sweat. But then after I got home, I was like, I did that all by myself. I moved out completely. But um, I mean, it was crazy. I actually wrote a piece for the Colonel about my uh, experience while COVID was going on while up there. But um, it was crazy. It was crazy. But it's not funny to look back on, but it's like interesting to look back on just that period of time. And absolutely was so uneasy like we didn't know what was gonna happen yeah yeah so I can imagine like being in New York City during that time like it must have been so scary and confusing oh it was it was and especially so I came back in late April I forget the exact date but I came back for two days or two or three days and I was like you know I'm I now know to wear the mask carry the hand sanitizer like you know I knew that process and I was like I'll I'll be as safe as I can because I was like I've got to move out like I've got to get my stuff and I was also no longer going to pay for rent. You know, I was like, what's the reason to pay for rent? You know, so 
anyway, um, whenever I went back in April, that's when it was crazy. Like not a soul on the streets. Like I would walk down Fifth Avenue, maybe came in contact with 10 people, maybe, which is not a lot at all, especially on Fifth Avenue around all the designer stores and went to Times Square. And I, you could literally yell from one end of Times Square to the other. And like, say if it was me and you, I was on one end, you were on the other. You could hear me. Like it, it was that quiet. It was eerie. It was terrifyingly eerie. Um, you didn't hear anything like it, it was awful. Like it was terrible. It, you know, sure. You maybe felt safe kind of, but like, not really, you know what I mean? Like I felt honest, I feel much more safer when there's thousands of people all around me than literally maybe four on the street, like, especially right in Midtown. It was just so odd and horrible because it's not New York. That's not New York. That's not anywhere. But, um, but then going back, you know, with you recently, it, New York is building back, right back up and they're doing really well right now with the So that was really cool and really reassuring to see how they're doing so well. Yeah, I was really surprised because in the media you hear, oh, New York is dead. There's so many people moving out. Yeah, yeah. Negative stuff about New York. So I was expecting the worst, honestly. And going there and seeing everyone like out and about in parks, like. Yeah, yeah. Dining, like it was so refreshing to see that. It was. And I mean, you know, everybody was wearing their mask as they should. People were on the subway, like a fair amount of people were still on the subway. And. I mean, I, like you said, it's just, it was refreshing and having, which those who may not know, which I didn't even know this until we went to New York this weekend or this past weekend, um, they are, there's no indoor seating at all right now, which I thought there was, but it's all outdoor, but it's also, it's, it may sound bad, but it was actually really cool. Like having that and everybody being outside and just seeing people, like seeing so many people outside and enjoying themselves and laughing and just being people and living life. That was really, really refreshing to see that. But I think I think in like a few weeks, one of my friends who lives up there, they told me that they're about to start opening that up to where you can have indoor seating. But we'll okay. see. Okay, so going off of like your internship and then the experience with COVID and then this summer, everything starting back school. So you're going into your senior year. Yep. What are your plans? Like, do you have any plans or are you just going with the flow? I know this is such a weird time. Yeah. Um, so I've been in contact with people that, um, that I've, uh, the connections I had in New York, of course, um, I talked to my HR manager, the human resource manager for NBC at the time, her and I've been in contact and she's been giving me a bunch of people's names to reach out to, um, when I should apply for certain positions, that kind of thing. Um, cause I'm wanting to move back up to New York, like pretty much right after graduation, like the sooner the better, but, um, I want, I would love to work for NBC again or w within you know, a, if I don't get NBC, like something within the same range, like CBS or ABC, whatever it may be, but I really want to work it for NBC. Um, I would work for the news again, but my true passion, it lies within the entertainment and comedy, like late night comedy for that. I'd love to work for Saturday Night Live for Tonight Show Jimmy Fallon, late night with Seth Meyers, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm there. She's really trying to get me in contact with certain people. And I, of course, I made friends who worked for SNL for the Tonight Show and everything. Um, one of my good friends, actually, she is the, um, assistant to Questlove, who is the main guy of the Roots band, which is Jimmy Fallon's band. So that was pretty cool. Like she's, she's trying to help me out some and I've made a few friends at SNL and they're like, well, you know, we'll insert your name whenever the time comes closer. Cause it's like too early, you know, right now, but just keeping my foot in the door. Like I'm not overwhelming people, but like I have a, um, not a phone interview, but like a, um, it's kind of a, like a pre-interview with this guy I forget his name but um it's like a he works for the NBC entertainment like as a whole and so my my HR manager recommended me talk to him and so he emailed me back almost like 
almost in, uh, immediately after I emailed him was like, Hey, I would love to talk. Like I'm a senior. I interned um, last semester, really want to move up there. Would love to get your advice. You know, want to hear about your position, what you do, that kind of thing. And then he was like, yeah, of course I'd love to let's talk sometimes. So anyway, um, so that's kind of happening, but you know, just like I said, keep him up in the door right now. It's kind of a weird position. Like it's weird right now. Cause I'm, you know, it's fall and it's like, of course I need a job in May ish, you know, so I'm going to, kind of wait a little bit until like February to actually start applying for places. But I did actually, when I went ahead, which was this is kind of stupid in retrospect, I applied for a position through the Today Show as a researcher. Um, and I haven't heard anything back yet, of course, but I was like, why did I do that so early? I was like, they, they're probably looking for someone like right now. And I'm like, I can't go right now. I've got to finish school. But, um, but yeah, I want to move back up there and hopefully the rest will follow suit, but we shall see. <laughs> Anything happens for a reason. That's what I've learned. This I week. agree. I totally agree. Um, Jade, thank you so much for being on. You. Oh, thank you. Presence is just so positive. Like you present yourself so well. And oh, thank you. <laughs> a fun episode. Oh yeah, this has been so fun. Thank you for asking me to do this. I've loved it. So something fun we do at the end of every episode is we have our guest share a life hack. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really know if you want to call this a hack, but I've noticed in life that, especially when it comes to adults in the um, job industry, <laughs> that sounds stupid, but they really like eye contact. And when you smile, I've heard like, I, that, that's been one thing I'm not trying to toot my own horn at all, but people are like, you have such good eye contact and you just smile all the time. They're like, it's really refreshing to see someone smile and like, look at you and have like, you know, you feel more connection when you look at someone in the eye versus being like, hi, you know, so-and-so and turn in your head or whatever. Um, but they feel really engaged with you. And I think that's really helpful really in any relationship, work relationship, you know, personal relationship, whatever it may be with someone is to ha- like do something like that. So I'd say that's just the hang, just smile. And it, even if you're by yourself, like I know it's weird, but I've heard that if you just smile, you automatically feel better, which I think is kind of true. So I'd say just, you know, put on a big smile if it's fake or not, <laughs> it'll, you know, hopefully turn into a real smile eventually. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, well, thanks. Well, thank you, Jade, so much for being on. Our listeners definitely learned a lot. I learned a lot. Where can our listeners find you? Like, what's your Instagram handle? All of that. Yeah, y'all can find me on Instagram at Jade Renee Garnet. J A D E R E N E E G A R N E T T. <laughs> but yeah, follow me on Instagram. Thank you so much, Jade. Yeah, thank you. This has been so fun. Bye. Bye.